Hi there, welcome back. I guess we were shoved off. They don't want you to hear this. So listen up. Okay, this is what I just wrote. This is exactly why we need to charge them with capital offenses, treason, and terrorism. Then we will not only STFU, which stands for shut the fuck up, he will stop making death threats against others, because then you would know what a death threat feels like. Christopher Bryce, Trump for prison. Uh, laid out pretty clearly the terms of Trump's release, which included him not committing any more... This is a prosecutor warns Trump about prison sentence one hour ago. State and local crimes immediately. Let's pull out. House of Representatives. Now we've got former federal prosecutor and candidate for California's 41st congressional district, awesome. Will Rollins. Will, thanks for coming back Rollins. on. Thanks for having me, Brian. Henry so Rollins, you actually helped brother. prosecute one of the January 6th insurrectionists. So let's start with the DC indictment since that's related. What do you think of Jack Smith's decision to only indict Donald Trump in this case? Well, I think it was a smart decision for speeding up the process, no doubt. Um, and I think for me, thinking back about my own experience, what I what I remember in the wake of January 6th is like a lot of Americans sitting at home, watching TV, seeing the images of the U.S. Capitol breached, seeing the image of guns drawn on the floor of the House of Representatives, being in complete shock for a period of days afterwards. And then in my case at the time, starting to get calls from the FBI and our colleagues in Washington, D.C., who are still working those cases in one of the largest investigations in the history of the Justice Department. And Definitely the largest investigation. Like Gina Bisignano, who you mentioned, uh, flew back to Southern California after participating in the attack and working with D.C. to help uh, get those people rounded up before the inauguration was... Um, you know, an incredible, an incredible lift. It took a lot of work from a lot of uh, agents and prosecutors around the country. And I think seeing the new indictment in D.C., what stood out to me is just how how remarkable it is what was going on behind the scenes that at the time, those of us who were responding and helping respond to that attack were not aware of. And by the way, I know that we, you know, we're speaking about the fact that this is a narrow prosecution against Donald Trump and it's intended, it's built for speed basically against him. But do you also think that you know, there were six unnamed co-conspirators in that indictment. Uh, do you think that we'll see another prosecution, another case against those six co-conspirators that, that doesn't, that may not include Donald Trump, but that is intended to hold them accountable too? Yes, no doubt. And I think what Jack Smith probably was thinking is if you indict all those folks now, the amount of pretrial litigation and delay that would result from having those co-defendants in the same defense table with Donald Trump would drag this out for a, a long time. And I think, you know, rightly for the sake of justice and the future of the country and our republic, the American people Everybody's deserve a sanity. right to know whether they're going to cast their vote for someone who is a convicted felon or not yeah. before 2024. Fuck that. I'm sure you've been asked this question before, and obviously you guys it's all just need to wake the fuck up. No hell, no way in hell. Should have been years ago. Fuck ours. Do your job. Thank you so much. Today, we are literally giving people something way more valuable than money. We are giving people a second any of the prosecutions that he's contending with right now. The do I mean, your I job think he's movement. In a, a really really difficult position and if i were his defense attorneys um i would be advising him to think seriously about cooperating and pleading guilty given the seriousness of the allegations and the likelihood of 
a prison sentence. And I think he should maybe think about his historical legacy at this point. And I understand how many folks watching this are going to, you know, I think correctly believe that his personality would never allow him to do that. He needs to go to jail for a little while so he can get off the huffing Adderall, which is driving him crazy. which is med. Trust it for prize. <laughs> I said, oh, old diaper Donald needs to go to prison for a little while, so he gets off of huffing so much Adderall which is which has made which has driven him mad he is a meth head it has driven him insane he has turned into a monster criminally insane should be fucking taken away fucking meth head kept so much which which made him go mad he is a meth head is it it has driven him insane it has turned him he has turned into a fucking monster um needs to go I am Oxford's at your service. Okay, so it says, Old Diaper Donald. Old Diaper Donald needs to go to prison for a little while. So he gets off of huffing so much Adderall, which made him so mad, which made him go mad. He's a meth head. It has driven him insane. He has turned into a monster. He needs to be immediately disqualified and put in a home for the criminally insane. I am Oxford University Psychology Tutor, by the way, at your service. Christopher Perez, John for prison. Imagine if he actually took accountability and at this moment decided that he was going to try to help the future of the United States, help our republic move beyond this moment.
think about how that would be written about in history. And I think that he should consider a factor like that. He's, he is going to live for all time at this moment, I think, in infamy. Um, but he has the ability still at this. People are never beyond redemption. And I think his defense attorneys have an obligation to give him Except that kind of advice as well. They may give him the advice. I think there's a higher likelihood of Donald Trump sprouting, sprouting wings, wings and flying uh, than there is of him doing that, but but <laughs> we'll see. Uh, <laughs> I, I think you're I think you're probably right about that. But I think you know to your your original question. I mean, he is facing the legitimate possibility of serious time in prison. And good defense attorneys, when they have a client who are f facing airtight allegations in a lot of these cases, would advise the client. You need to seriously think about cooperating. It is going to be one of your only chances to avoid prison time. Um, I think given the other considerations, obviously very, very unlikely in this case, but, um, you know, he is looking at high statutory maximums. So there are currently 19 defendants in the Fulton County trial. I think we can expect that some of those defendants may opt to cooperate with prosecutors instead of just throwing their freedom away uh, for Donald Trump. Can you walk us through the process of what it would look like if and when a defendant decides to flip? Yeah, I mean, some of the same considerations I just discussed a second ago for Donald Trump, um, you know, those are going to be amplified big time for the defendants who are not running for political office and who do not have this sort of uh, long shot chance at a pardon from a Republican governor in Georgia. I think those, those defendants and co-defendants with Trump are going to be under a lot more pressure, actually, to cooperate because they understand the likelihood of getting prison time if they don't cooperate with the government. So I think what would happen in, in both uh, cases, even though some of the others have not yet been indicted in the uh, Smith indictment in D.C., they've certainly been able to identify a lot of who those unindicted co-conspirators are. And the sooner the defense attorneys get those defendants or putative defendants to walk in and talk to the government, the more likely it is that they get reduced time in prison or no time in prison, depending on how helpful they are to the government. And so a lot of the defense attorneys representing these 19 or so co-defendants in both of these cases or future co-defendants are going to be talking to their clients and advising them to come in earlier, because the earlier you come in, generally the more lenient your sentence is going to be down the road. So I think a lot of those conversations are taking place right now. And why not have done this sooner? Why wait until your name is included in right. uh, a state prosecution, is included in an indictment for you to finally recognize, oh shit, this is real, I better do something about it? I mean, I think a lot of them didn't know how strong the evidence was, despite what the public reporting was, uh, and, and a lot of this had been publicly reported before the indictment came down. I think the theories of liability also were probably unclear to a lot of the defense attorneys, but what I like in particular about the D.C. indictment is that it focuses on the criminal aspect of fraud, not this you know, First Amendment BS that uh, the far right has kind of been spewing. And even, frankly, it's made its way into more you know, mainstream conservative outlets. And, and I think when you see that this entire conspiracy, and really in both cases, involves submission of fraudulent documents or obstruction of official government proceedings, it makes those arguments for criminal liability a lot clearer and easier for defense attorneys to articulate to their clients to say this is how strong the evidence is against you this is what your liability looks like you are looking at some serious time if you don't uh, come in and cooperate so i think now that those charges are laid out in a clearer fashion um, we will eventually see i think some people come in it's going to have to be done very surreptitiously given 
the risk to their lives. I mean, we've seen what happened with the grand jurors being threatened in Georgia. I mean, these are people who just got called in for jury duty. And still this I mean, motherfucker, still they don't put that. this. <laughs> you know, grand jurors are being like doxxed. And, and I mean... Exclamation point. Everybody call the Justice Department and object. As well as the rest of the Exclamation point. All of them must go. Remove them now. Remove them all now. <laughs> Tree stack. For press, Trump for prison. Okay, now the grand jurors are being docked. Everybody call the Justice Department. Object, not subject. Hi, darling. I'm glad you're feeling better, my sweetheart. Now the grand jurors are being docked. Everybody call the Justice Department and object. That they haven't put him in prison yet. Demand he is immediately disqualified from office. Disqualified and removed from office. Removed. Remove them all. As well as the rest of this 160 plus GEO traitors. GOP traitors. Who took part? In the insurrection, remove them all now. We will have special elections. Everything will be hunky-dory. Hunky-dory. Oops. Ah, shit.
Accidentally. Good, Trista. <laughs> sure did a lot. Okay. I'm having to cut some enormous amount of text. So here's the message, the massage. Exciting news, exclamation point. All the 160 plus GOP traitors question mark automatically disqualified. Paha. It's the Constitution, bitches. See if y'all are still there. Oh my gosh, you are. Shout out to KAMP Student Radio at the University of Arizona. And keep it one team, Pesco Yaki, Chad Radio, Chad Radio, Chad Radio. I'm the Reds with Chad Chad Radio, Chad Radio, Chad Radio. Let's get back to the show, man. Podcast. Thanks for 235. There was a little um little spike. I don't know what it was. Probably because it was a weekend and my federal censors at DHS, Brad Kevin and D and the Dicks were at home with their families instead of surveilling me without a warrant 24-7. Anyway, guess what? They're all the motherfuckers who took part in the insurrection. You're automatically disqualified. Should have been removed two and a half years ago, so everybody called the Justice Department. 202 514 Tell them to do their damn job. What do we pay them for? What are they? They're supposed to enforce the law. Constitution. Tell the Justice Department to read the Constitution. 14th Amendment, Section 3. No insurrectionists may hold office. Or be in the military, by the way. So all those motherfuckers got to go now. Citizens arrest. <laughs> I'm gonna turn this into. Uh, I'm gonna do a TikTok video along these lines. Uh, this is a citizens arrest. 
all those who took parts, including perjury, traitor, grain, and Lauren Bubert, and Nazi ass-face Dump Trump, of course, um, who deserves capital. I'm the only presidential candidate calling for additional capital offenses, treason, and terrorism against Trump. And bioterrorism. Nobody's even talking about that. He's directly responsible for a million dead Americans. That means if anybody in your family died during COVID, it's his fucking fault. He's a mass murderer. Okay? And if, uh, you know, I'm psychology, Oxford University psychology tutor, but, um, you know, that's, uh, so I, I see through all this bullshit. And so should you. It's time to wake the fuck up, America. You need to get up off your lazy, lardy asses, morbidly obese butts. And do something for your country. Like JFK said, ask not what your country could do for you. Ask what you could do for your country. All the Doge, 202, 514, 2000, do it! Get up! Turn off this podcast, go make a fucking phone call! It's your democracy, own it! People, people don't like serving, and, and I mean, you This is prosecutor warns Trump about prison sentence! because it's your civic duty but you know we've all been in those rooms if you've ever had jury duty where people are you know oh no i don't i don't want the disruption i want to try and get out of it i mean think about these people who were sitting there um listening to this evidence and then now are being confronted with death threats just for doing their jobs i mean these are our neighbors these are people selected at random there is no partisan pre-screening process and i think unfortunately there's so much disinformation out there around the nature of how our criminal justice system works unfortunately because of the lack of political leadership from uh, the Republican Party that we've just seen uh, these horrible Bitches. threats against law enforcement and, and now the grand jurors in Georgia developing and it's really corrosive to our democracy. Yeah, coming to you right from the party that, that prides itself on being the law and order party. Um, you know, Will, Judge Chutkin, sticking with this D.C. case, uh, laid out pretty clearly the terms of Trump's release, which included him not committing any more federal, state, and local crimes immediately after planting that flag, Donald Trump engaged in some casual witness intimidation by publicly pressuring Jeff Duncan, the former lieutenant governor of Georgia, to not testify against him. Why not remand him to custody pending trial? And, and I'm not asking that lightly because I understand the gravity of, of doing that, but if the condition was set by the court and then Trump broke that condition, isn't it, isn't it the court's credibility on the line by, by letting him continue to walk free? What? All right, some of you have still been asking me how Medicare recipients can claim their flex card today. If you're on Medicare and you don't know about... Well, I think she will take this very seriously. And I think, you know, I would not be surprised at some point in this process if an order to show cause is issued by the district judge in Washington 
if the former president continues to keep up these kinds of public statements that are either designed to intimidate um, jurors or witnesses, because it's crucial to the integrity of the process that people believe they can come into court, uh, take the oath to swear to tell the truth, and to do it without fear for their lives. And so I think that is a possibility at some point if he continues the behavior. And frankly, it's a possibility already with what we've seen. I mean, the way that this would normally work is the court could issue the OSC. The court could be made aware of the allegations. Cancel my subscription to the resurrection. Okay, um, cancel my uh, insurance. Fuck them. Not using, uh, yeah. If I need to go anywhere, I'll take an Uber and a plane. Okay, back to the show. Just had to tell my money maker. Money maker. Cancel my subscription to the resurrection. DOJ sentencing demands foreshadow doom for a trap. Nah, 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 nah. You're going down. Diaper down. Diaper down. You want to know why the Department of Justice is trying to put the Proud Boys leadership convicted of seditious conspiracy away for over 33 years in some instances? And why that's so much greater than even they sought for the Oath Keepers? Is because if you put the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers in a dark alley, the Oath Keepers would be scared of the Proud Boys, right? Right-wing extremist paramilitary organizations as the army of Trump are all not created equal. Proud Boys are worse than Oath Keepers. They all should go away for a very long time breaking big rocks into small yeah. rocks, but the Proud Boys are worse. And I'm going to tell you why and why the government, the Department of Justice, in their sentencing memo just filed, is seeking over... 30 years for a number of the leadership. It is the Proud Boys that are responsible for every bad thing that happened on Jan 6th at the Cradle of Democracy at How about our a capital offense? Everything. Charge. Um, they were the like first ones in. or terrorism. They led a paramilita paramilitary organization that lined up at 10 a.m. at the Washington Monument of all... Just a surprise. Trump for prison. Camelot.
Camelots. Okay. Did you? Okay. Hey, Lord Michael. What about capital offense charge like treason and terrorism? Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> Smiley face. What would that look like, Lord Michael? Christopher Press, Trump for prison. Did you hear first thing I do when I'm president is give Midas Touch Network the Camelot Prize. Newly formed Camelot Award. Congratulations. This is March to the Capitol in wedge formation. Led people there that they picked up, the other people there that were that were soldiers for them. But they were the leaders. They were the first ones to start the fight at the West Terrace They were the, and the portico, battling it out hand-to-hand -hand combat with police who were outmatched. They used weapons. They used bear spray. They used pepper spray. They used shields. They broke in the first ones to break the line and enter the Senate, uh, enter the Senate, breaking windows, using police shields at battering rams and all of those things. Proud Boys are so bad that the Department of Justice has calculated, based on the way the sentencing guidelines run, where you start with a base offense level for seditious conspiracy at the highest level, gives you 32 points on that scale. Then you add a couple of points for terrorism enhancement, because yeah. they're terrorists. Uh -huh. And then you give them four points for leadership, because they were the leaders of the Proud Boys. Uh -huh. And then you give them criminal history enhancement, and you end up... The leaders of, of all the militia groups. Antario and almost 33 years. Trump's Zach militia Rell, groups. 30 years and Ethan Norton, 27 years. To put this in perspective, the leader, the one-eyed, patch-wearing leader huh. of the um, Oath Keepers, also convicted of seditious conspiracy, went to jail for, uh, he was sentenced for 18 years. Stuart Rhodes. That's nothing. They're looking for 33 years Fuck for these them. guys. That's how bad these guys are. And it's the reason all four of them has, have been sitting as part of the D.C. jail choir that Trump likes to laud. Uh, because they're really bad people, and that's why they've had to sit in pretrial detention, some of them for over two years. Um, I'm going to talk about the actual comments in the sentencing memo, because it is a powerful recitation of how the Department of Justice under Merrick Garland sees the prosecution of these people and the stain that they have left uh, indelibly on democracy and on our Constitution, which, yes, held, but not without a cost, to paraphrase the Department of Justice. These are the guys, the Proud Boys, Biggs, Tario, Rell, and Norton, that wrote about their 1776 moment. Uh, Enrique Tario who wasn't present, actually, on the day of Gen 6, hey, but did all no, the planning and did all no. the walkie-talkie and using um, uh, encrypted message platforms here, in order to encourage his people to do things. He took full credit afterwards on social media for the riot, the insurrection, the carnage, the bloodshed, the five people who died. He took full credit for that. He thought it was something he, sh he should take credit for. That was Proud Boy work. That was the Ministry of... Um, paramilitary organization. This is the group to remind everybody as we enter a, a new debate season involving potentially Donald Trump that he said when he said he didn't know who they were during the debate with Hillary Clinton, he then told the Proud Boys to stand back and stand by. Well, now it's stand back, stand by, and stand in prison for the next 30 years plus if the, if the Department of Justice have, has its way. 
Um, and so they, them and the leaders of the now I got it, Ministry of Self-Defense that, that fired their way in there. And Reiko Tario, the only reason he wasn't there is because two days earlier, he tore down and burned in front of a black church, a Black Lives Matter a banner, Black Lives Matter banner, uh, and he was arrested and tipped off by a, a local cop not to be uh, present on Jan 6th. That's the only reason he wasn't there, but he was leading, he was exhorting, he was commanding from his, uh, his other post. Now, uh, the sentencing here is going to be handled by a Trump-appointed uh, judge, uh, a Trump-appointed judge, but it's one that's, as of so far, has uh, not been that lenient with the Jan 6th defendants before him. I mean, he's dismissed a couple of smaller cases and trespass cases. But when it comes to serious matters like seditious conspiracy, for which he sat as a jury convicted them, he's denied motions to uh, overturn the indictment and attacks on the Department of Justice. And so we fully expect that in sentencing, he's going to uh, come pretty close to what the Department of Justice has to say. He's more of a Bushian than a Trumpian Republican, this judge. He, he worked in the same unit that Jack Smith did, not at the same time. They didn't overlap in the Department of Justice, the Public Corruption Unit. So he understands that. Um, and, you know, he, he worked under uh, George Bush. At one point, when he worked in private practice, he worked for the Legal Aid Society as a defense lawyer. So I, I'm not that worried about who the, the judge is going to be. Now, let me read to you some of the most powerful elements of the sentencing memo filed by the Department of Justice. A quick tutorial after a conviction, there's a three or four month gap while the defense team gathers their sentencing memo and recommendation through the, the U.S. Probation Department. They get letters of commendation and, and letters of reference and they try to argue for the low end of the scale and the Department of Justice puts together its information, its calculus, uh, with a chart and then all the back, background and backup information per defendant so that the judge has it. And then the victims, all the police who were attacked, all the Capitol Police that were outmatched, the ones that were beaten by, the sh by police, their own police shields, by the Proud Boys, sprayed with pepper spray, uh, punched in the face, all of them, they are the victims, they get to testify as well, put in affidavits, and then this whole package gets put in front of the judge who then uses his discretion based on the sentencing guidelines to uh, fashion a sentence that is uh, commensurate with the crime and not just to punish them, but to ensure that others don't emulate them. It's another purpose of criminal justice. And so let me read to you just some of the most powerful moments in this particular sentencing memo, which we'll also put up on the board. I like knowing exactly where my meat comes from. And with Moink, that place is from small family farms all across the country. You can help save the family farm and get access to the highest quality meat on earth when you join the Moink movement today. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon straight to your door. Moink farmers farm like our grandparents Sounds nice. Did. Good. Good sponsor. Yeah, man, no ads. He's being, Trump is being cornered on all sides. Yeah. Straight to your door. Moink Farmers Farm leading their men to a vulnerable entrance on the west front of the Capitol, 
when most other rally goers were focused on the. So this is how they describe the government, uh, the evidence against the Proud Boys. And I'm quoting, having already ravaged the streets of Washington, D.C. with violence on two prior occasions in the fall of 2020, Tario, Biggs, Nordine, and Rell hand-selected rally boys, including Dominic Pizzola, for their return on Jan 6, 2021. They established a chain of command in which the directives of leadership would be followed without question. They chose the time and the place for action, leading their men to a vulnerable entrance on the west front of the Capitol, when most other rally-goers were focused on the then-President Donald Trump's speech almost a mile away. They arrived shortly before 1 p.m., the appointed hour for the certification to begin. These defendants and the men in their command saw themselves as the foot soldiers of the right. There we are, the foot soldiers of Donald Trump. They were prepared to use, and they did use, force to stop the traitors from stealing the election. Now, that means the people that were, that were certified for Joe Biden. On May 4th, 2023, 12 jurors found each defendant guilty to, uh, for their calculated efforts to oppose the lawful transfer of presidential power. The defendants and the men they recruited and led participated in every consequential breach at the Capitol on Jan 6th. They began their assault that day at 10 a.m. when Nordine, Biggs, and Rell marched an assembled group of nearly 200 individuals away from the speeches at the Ellipse and directly to the Capitol. They first they, they arrived at the first street gate at 12.50 p.m., and Biggs led the crowd in chants of whose Capitol, our Capitol, and whose house, our house. Within three minutes, Nordine, Biggs, Rell, and Pozzola helped lead the charge up the first street walkway with their men throwing aside bike racks and laying waste to anything that stood in their path. As Biggs proudly declared, we're, we're going through every barricade so far. The government later said that the defendant's leadership role was no accident. They viewed themselves as revolutionaries, and they believed fully in their cause. From the start of the riot, the defendants and their co-conspirators celebrated their achievement. And then they go on to describe how they did that in social media and how they patted themselves on the back for leading the riot. Um, Nordine, for instance, recorded a video of himself uh, describing an encounter with a woman at the bar. In the video, he faulted the woman for not appreciating that he was part of an effing storming the capital of the most powerful country in the effing world, 1776, bitch. That was his comment. In the victim section of the sentencing guidelines, they quote from Mike Pence about freedom at the Capitol and democracy and defending the Constitution. They then quote from Ronald Reagan as follows. In his 1981 inaugural address, President Ronald Reagan remarked that the peaceful and orderly transfer of power called for by the Constitution is viewed by the rest of the world as nothing less than a miracle. These defendants and their followers attempted to, to subvert that two centuries old tradition. And while freedom, democracy, and the Constitution prevailed on January 6th, it was not without costs. Alongside the enduring legacy of bravery and honor by those who defended our country, a harsh reality has emerged. Political violence is not some foreign concept that exists only in faraway lands. It exists here too. The actions of these defendants threaten the bedrock principles of our country, democracy, and the rule of law. 
these defendants sought out and embraced their role as the purveyors of street violence to achieve their political objectives. They loudly and publicly declared themselves the face of the insurgency in the wake of the presidential election, and they encouraged others to follow them. I mean, this is some, and this goes on for 70 or 80 pages. This is how the Department of Justice is making its case to the American people. In sentencing memos like this one, in closing arguments and opening statements in the trials that they've tried, they haven't lost one jury trial yet in the uh, Jan 6th, and they've already uh, prosecuted up to 2,000 people. It is important as a counterweight, as a background to the indictments of Donald Trump that people understand what happened on January 6th, who the leadership was taking their instructions from Donald Trump and others. Even if you take Jack Smith at his word in his indictment that he's not charging Donald Trump with actually causing the insurrection, but he's saying he was an opportunist who used the insurrection to his advantage in a commercial sense to cover for his continued cling to power, trying to buy more time in order to steal the election from uh, Joe Biden any way he could. Lawsuits that were phony that failed, fake electors that were phony and failed. The attempt to throw it over to the state houses to let each state vote, which would have given the vote to Donald Trump because there's more Republican states than Democratic states when you just do it by sheer number. And he just needed to buy more time. And when he saw a mob attacking the Capitol, rather than think, this is a bad thing, I'm the commander-in-chief, and they're doing it in my name, I better call them off, he thought Donald Trump, based on the indictment, how do I take advantage of these people who are looting and attacking and in a conspiracy, seditious conspiracy fashion, attacking the bedrock of our democracy. How can I take advantage of that? One thing I'm going to do is I'm going to stay quiet for four hours. And I'm not going to say a darn thing. And even when I get up hours and hours later, after people had already been maimed, injured, psychologically traumatized, all the police, and people dead at the Capitol, did this weak, feckless, I wouldn't call it a leader, get up and make a statement and one that did not do anything at all to quell the violence, which, which was out of control. We learn about that here in the sentencing memo. This is why the Proud Boys, who were the generals and the foot soldiers for Donald Trump, are going away for a long, long time. 33 years, 30 years, 20 years. All higher than what Stuart Rhodes and the Oath Keepers got, for a good reason. For a, for a reason that needs to be in pressed on people. As they said in the sentencing memo, political violence has come to the shores of America. And if we're going to stop it, if we, do, if we want other Jan 6 okay, then we, we lighten up and we give leniency on the sentencing. We let everybody walk out the front door. Okay, time served, two years, great. But if we want to send a message, which our political justice system does, that this can't ever happen again, that the perpetrators of the violence have to be caught, uh, they have to be indicted, they have to be tried, and if they're convicted, they have to be sentenced to the high, highest levels possible. Let's hope that the judge, who's going to be uh, sentencing these people, gets the message. He'll have the sentencing memo for the government. He'll have the sentencing memo recommendations for from the defendants, each one of them. He'll hear from the victims. There'll probably be at least a dozen police, uh, Capitol Police and yeah. D.C. Police, 
and, and staffers and elected officials, right? How about will AMC? end up giving sworn testimony that this judge will have to uh, from consider. Bernie. And the AMC. judge, Tim Kelly, what listen, I know his background. I know where he came from, all right? He was a Republican. He was a Bush person. He's not a Trump person. And he sided with the Department of Justice so far in cases like this one. I expect him to end up in the in sentences that have a two and a high number next to it or a three and a high number next to it. And nothing less, frankly, nothing less is right for the American people. We're yeah. going to follow sentencing about Jan 6th defendants here on the Midas Touch Network. It's the only place you can get it. This kind of straight talk. No sunshine blow. No <laughs> smoke blow. Just the facts, analysis that comes from being a practicing attorney That's in courtrooms just like this one for the last 32 years. I'm so passionate about this, these issues that I co-founded and co-anchor the leading podcast at the intersection of law and politics U.S. style. It's called Legal AF. You can only get it one place. The Midas Touch YouTube channel and on their podcast platforms. That's it. It's a free subscribe both places. Nothing I'm talking about here costs any money. Only your support and your attention. And you can do it on Wednesdays and Saturdays. We have the podcast. We have it on YouTube format. We have it in audio format. Again, on the Midas Touch Network. I do hot takes like this one about every day or twice a day, depending upon what's going on, at that intersection of law and politics. You can catch me on hot takes also only on the Midas Touch Network. Slide over to playlists on that YouTube channel, and you'll find my entire library of work, over 350 hot takes so far, uh, and counting, related to the issues we're talking about here. And that podcast, we pull it all together to curate the best stories from the week that we think you should know uh, in, that, in that arena. If you like what I'm doing, I'm Michael Popak. You can follow me on all things social media at MS Popak, including now on Threads. Until the next hot take... At Midas Touch, we are unapologetically pro-democracy, and we demand justice and accountability. That's why we're spreading our message to Convict 45. That's right, gear up right now with your Convict 45 tees and pins at store.midastouch.com. That's store.midastouch.com. I'm going to hear that again. That's fucking great. Fucking great. Told you the headlines are fucking great these days. This be so depressing. Trump. John Bolton. Oh, it's just bad John Bolton. Michael Popak, Legal AF. You want to know why the Department of Justice is trying to put the Proud Boys leadership, convicted of seditious conspiracy, away for over 33 years in some instances? Uh -huh. And why that's so much greater than even they saw for the Oath Keepers? Is because if you put the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers in a dark alley, the Oath Keepers would be scared of the Proud Boys, right? Right-wing extremist paramilitary organizations, <laughs> as the Army and Trump are all Trump's Army. Proud Boys are worse than Oath Keepers. They all should go away for a very long time, breaking big rocks into small rocks. But the Proud Boys are worse, and I'm going to tell you why and why the government, the Department of Justice, in their sentencing memo just filed, is seeking over. 30 years for a number of <laughs> It is the Proud Boys Sucker. that are responsible for Suckers every and bad that happened on Jan 6th at the Cradle of Democracy at our Congress. Everything. Uh, they were the first ones in. They led a paramilitary organization 
that lined up at 10 a.m. at the Washington Monument, of all places, marched to the Capitol in wedge formation, led people there that they picked up, the other people there that were, that were soldiers for them, but they were the leaders. They were the first ones to start the fight at the West Terrace they were the, and the portico, battling it out hand-to-hand -hand combat with police who were outmatched. They used weapons, they used bear spray, they used pepper spray, they used shields. They broke in, the first ones to break the line and enter the Senate, uh, and enter the Senate, breaking windows, using police shields and battering rams, and all of those things. Proud Boys are so bad that the Department of Justice has calculated, based on the way the sentencing guidelines run, where you start with a base offense level for seditious conspiracy at the highest level, gives you 32 points on that scale. Then you add a couple of points for terrorism enhancement, because they're terrorists. And then you give them four points for leadership, because they were the leaders of the Proud Boys. And then you give them criminal history enhancement, and you end up at a range of sentences for Biggs and Tario at almost 33 years, Zach Rell, 30 years, and Ethan Norton, 27 years. To put this in perspective, the leader, the one-eyed patch-wearing leader patch of the wearing, um, Oath Keepers, uh, also convicted of seditious conspiracy, went to jail for, uh, he was sentenced for 18 years, Stuart Rhodes. They're looking for 33 years for these guys. That's how bad these guys are. And it's the reason all four of them has, have been sitting as part of the TC jail fire that Trump likes to laud, uh, because they're really bad people, and that's why they've had to sit in pretrial detention, some of them for over two years. Um, I'm going to talk about the actual comments in the sentencing memo because it is a powerful recitation of how the Department of Justice under Merrick Garland sees the prosecution of these people and the stain that they have left uh, indelibly on democracy and on our Constitution, which, yes, held, but not without a cost, to paraphrase the Department of Justice. These are the guys, the Proud Boys, Biggs, Tario, Rell, and Norton, that wrote about their 1776 moment. Uh, Enrique Tario, who wasn't present actually on the day of Gen 6, but did all the planning and did all the walkie-talkie and using um, uh, encrypted message platforms in order to encourage his people to do things. He took full credit afterwards on social media for the riot, the insurrection, the carnage, the bloodshed, the five people who died, he took full credit for that. He thought it was something he, sh he should take credit for. That was Proud Boy work. That was the, the Ministry of, uh, uh, I forget what they call it, some idiotic phrase that they use for their, uh, their uh, paramilitary organization. This is the group to remind everybody as we enter a, a new debate season involving potentially Donald Trump that he said what he said. He didn't know who they were during the debate with Hillary Clinton. He then told the Proud Boys to stand back and stand by. Well, now it's stand back, stand by, and stand in prison for the next 30 years plus if the, if the Department of Justice have, has its way. Um, and so they, them and the leaders of the now Ministry of Self-Defense that, that fired their way in there. Enrico Tario, the only reason he wasn't there is because two days earlier he tore down and burned in front of a black church a Black Lives Matter uh, banner, Black Lives Matter banner, uh, and he was arrested and tipped off by a, a local cop not to be uh, president on Jan 6th. That's the only reason he wasn't there, but he was leading, he was exhorting, he was commanding from his, uh, his other post. 
Now, uh, the sentencing here is going to be handled by a Trump-appointed uh, judge, uh, a Trump-appointed judge, but it's one that's, as of so far, has uh, not been that lenient with the Jan 6 defendants before him. I mean, he's dismissed a couple of smaller cases and trespass cases. But when it comes to serious matters like seditious conspiracy, for which he sat as a jury convicted them, he's denied motions to uh, overturn the indictment and attacks on the Department of Justice. And so we fully expect that in sentencing, he's going to uh, come pretty close to what the Department of Justice has to say. He's more of a Bushian than a Trumpian Republican, this judge. He, he worked in the same unit that Jack Smith did, not at the same time they didn't overlap in the Department of Justice, the Public Corruption Unit, so he understands that. Um, and, you know, he, he worked under uh, George Bush at one point. When he worked in private practice, he worked for the Legal Aid Society as a defense lawyer. So I, I'm not that worried about who the, the judge is going to be. Now, let me read to you some of the most powerful elements of the sentencing memo filed by the Department of Justice. A quick tutorial after a conviction. There's a three- or four-month gap while the defense team gathers their sentencing memo and recommendation through the, the U.S. Probation Department. They get letters of commendation and, and letters of reference, and they try to argue for the low end of the scale. And the Department of Justice puts together its information, its calculus uh, with a chart, and then all the back, background and backup information per defendant so that the judge has it. And then the victims, all the police who were attacked, all the Capitol Police that were outmatched, the ones that were beaten by the sh by police, their own police shields, by the Proud Boys, sprayed with pepper spray, uh, punched in the face, all of them, they are the victims. They get to testify as well, put in affidavits, and then this whole package gets put in front of the judge, who then uses his discretion based on the sentencing guidelines to uh, fashion a sentence that is uh, commensurate with the crime and not just to punish them, but to ensure that others don't emulate them. It's another purpose of criminal justice. And so let me read to you just some of the most powerful moments in this particular sentence and memo, which we'll also put up on the board. I like knowing exactly where my meat comes from. And with Moink, that place is from small family farms all across the country. You can help save the family farm and get access to the highest quality meat on earth when you join the Moink movement today. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon straight to your door. Moink farmers farm like our grandparents did. Hey folks, we're going to win re-election and we need you by my side. Every commercial and talk over commercial. Hey man, fuck off, old man. Brandon. Old farmers farm like our grandparents. Fuck off, Brandon. Salmon fillets and fuck off, Brandon. Orbell founder Jamie Siminoff.
hand-selected rally boys, including Dominic Pizzola, for their return on Jan 6, 2021. They established a chain of command in which the directives of leadership would be followed without question. They chose the time and the place for action, leading their men to a vulnerable entrance on the west front of the Capitol, when most other rally-goers were focused on the then-President Donald Trump's speech almost a mile away. They arrived shortly before 1 p.m., the appointed hour for the certification to begin. These defendants and the men in their command saw themselves as the foot soldiers of the right. There we are, the foot soldiers of Donald Trump. They were prepared to use, and they did use, force to stop the traitors from stealing the election. Now, that means the people that were, that were certifying for Joe Biden. On May 4th, 2023, 12 jurors found each defendant guilty due, uh, for their calculated efforts to oppose the lawful transfer of presidential power. The defendants and the men they recruited and led participated in every consequential breach at the Capitol on Jan 6th. They began their assault that day at 10 a.m. when Nordeen, Biggs, and Rell marched an assembled group of nearly 200 individuals away from the speeches at the Ellipse and directly to the Capitol. They first they, they arrived at the first street gate at 12.50 p.m., and Biggs led the crowd in chants of whose capital, our capital, and whose house, our house. Within three minutes, Nordine, Biggs, Rell, and Pozzola helped lead the charge up the first street walkway with their men throwing aside bike racks and laying waste to anything that stood in their path. As Biggs proudly declared, we're, we're going through every barricade so far. The government later said that the defendant's leadership role was no accident. They viewed themselves as revolutionaries, and they believed fully in their cause. From the start of the riot, the defendants and their co-conspirators celebrated their achievement. And then they go on to describe how they did that in social media and how they patted themselves on the back for leading the riot. Um, Nordeen, for instance, recorded a video of himself uh, describing an encounter with a woman at the bar. In the video, he faulted the woman for not appreciating that he was part of an effing storming the capital of the most powerful country in the effing world, 1776, bitch. That was his comment. In the victim section of the sentencing guidelines, they quote from Mike Pence about freedom at the capital and democracy and defending the Constitution. They then quote from Ronald Reagan, as follows, in his 1981 inaugural address, President Ronald Reagan remarked that the peaceful and orderly transfer of power called for by the Constitution is viewed by the rest of the world as nothing less than a miracle. These defendants and their followers attempted to, to subvert that two centuries old tradition. And while freedom, democracy, and the Constitution prevailed on January 6th, it was not without costs. Alongside the enduring legacy of bravery and honor by those who defended our country, a harsh reality has emerged. Political violence is not some foreign concept that exists only in faraway lands. It exists here, too. The actions of these defendants threaten the bedrock principles of our country, democracy, and the rule of law. These defendants sought out and embraced their role as the purveyors of street violence to achieve their political objectives. They loudly and publicly declared themselves the face of the insurgency in the wake of the presidential election, and they encouraged others to follow them. I mean, this is some, and this goes on for 70 or 80 pages. 
This is how the Department of Justice is making its case to the American people. In sentencing memos like this one, in closing arguments and opening statements in the trials that they've tried, they haven't lost one jury trial yet in the uh, Jan 6th, and they've already been prosecuting up to 2,000 people. It is important as a counterweight, as a background to the indictments of Donald Trump. Okay, we're back, man. Very exciting, wonderful news. 33 years in prison coming up for all the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys. Trump's militias. So, um, as you know, leading an insurrection. Uh, everybody, drop what you're doing right now. Make a phone call. 202-514-2000. Demand Justice Department. Immediately disqualifies them all. Removes them. Charges them. And also abolish the Electoral College. We're fucked. We've already had two or three, I think there's three elections stolen so far by the Electoral College. The, uh, um, Gore versus Bush. And then Trump versus Hillary. Hillary won by three million fucking votes. In fact, I'm going to, uh, Going to um, tweet that. Let's nip this shit in the bud. No more... No mas. No mas. Bitches. <laughs> Better abolished. Electoral College before. Before. 2024 elections. Reminder. Colon. Several of our, several elections Several elections already stolen.
by the Electoral College before Gore v. Bush. Um, there's another one too. There's a third. What's the third? Pop quiz. What's the third? Pop quiz. Young Dems. Young Dems. Third. What's the third? Pop quiz for the Young Dems. Better abolish electoral college. Better abolish the electoral college before before 2024 elections. Reminder: several elections stolen from us before. E.G. Gorby Bush. Remember when Hillary won popular vote, the popular vote over Trump by three million votes? Pop quiz for young Dems trying to engage. What was the third? Can you think of third of third example? Pop quiz. Huh. One little picture of Fea. Looks like an owl. The last fashion of scoundrels. Thoughts and prayers, bitches. <laughs> Marlardo. Okay. to let you on with some extremely wonderful news that old diaper Donald is panicked in many public appearances. Ah, we need to boo and laugh him off the national stage. Kudos. Thanks to that person who said we can't put two words together. And I'd like to chastise the Department of Justice since nobody else seems to be doing Hi, I'm Christopher Press, by the way. I'm the presidential candidate calling for the mass expulsion of and disqualification of 160 plus GOP traitors in the Congress who should not be there in the first place. They shouldn't have been sworn in, but in that the Congress just rolled over and played dead as usual. But so did the American public. At any moment, you can make some free phone calls to save your own democracy. The number one concern for Americans 
is our democracy. According to Paul's number one concern, our democracy. So why don't you do like JFK said? Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. All right, our beautiful, all Jerusalem. You can't put the words together. So I want to to <laughs> the last witch hunter. Okay. Sixty-four percent of Americans will not vote for Trump. Nah. <laughs> Sweaty, scared, falling apart. Okay. No must stolen elections. Okay, before I tag him, I'm going to share Facebook. Ah oh, man. Darn. Oops, I should have tagged. Christopher Price, please go ahead and uh, follow me on. Follow me across to social media, Christopher Price. Okay, let's see. Citizens for Ethics. Okay. Dems, Justice Dems, Midas Touch, Popak, Occupied Democrats, Elizabeth Warren, DNC War Room, uh, Midas Touch Network, <clears throat> Bitches, No Lie with Brian Talico and Lincoln Project. Okay, that's a 10 person limit. Alright, there we go. Alright, a oh, one day ago, a flash flood watch for Western Pima County. Turn off the nation as well as parts of Santa Cruz County is in effect. Sunday evening. What is today? Monday. Oh no. Is that until next Sunday? What the hell? What the hell? <laughs> That's a good little meme right there. What the hell? Modest touch, everything we touch turns gold. Trumpy's got the reverse modest touch. Everything he touch turns to shit. 
Funny that uh, his dad apparently said publicly that he seemed to have a Midas, that his son, who he uh, propped up millions of dollars. Motherfucker had a billion dollars when he died. And uh, Trumpy got the lion's share, of course. It's a favorite son, you know, equally a sociopathic, a criminal, and a fucking racist. Hello? Fred Trump was in a, was a uh, fucking Nazi. He was a Nazi and um, he was arrested for rioting against New York Police Department, police, the Popos, in 1927. His name and address were published in the New York Times. Yeah, fuck you, New York Times. Not having a story about that. I pitched a story to the New York Times. Let me do it with David K. Johnston. Pulitzer Prize winning, and it can be some kind of uh, winner, and it can be uh, some kind of apology for not covering this when we were voting for president. 2016. Perjury Trader Green. These are other Midas Touch headlines. Perjury Trader Green did not get the welcome she thought she would at the Iowa Fair. Ha ha. Ha yeah, what a fucking cunt. Let's uh, steal from Trump. That's how he says it. Traitors. Trusted for press, Trump for prison. Said, yeah, what a fucking cunt. Perjury trader green, green is. She and the rest of the GOP traders should have been locked up 2.5 years ago. And everybody do your patriotic duty and make a free fucking phone call. Get off your couch, America. 202-514-2000. Trusted for press, Trump for prison. USA, USA, be a cheerleader for democracy. I'm your cheerleader for democracy. 
Yeah, when I was a uh, when I was a wee lass. Oh my gosh. How so cute. Oh, I got a friend. Iowa State Fair attendee photo bombs middle finger at perjury trader green. <laughs> After all the excitement of the MAGA rights surrounding Trump's arrival at the Iowa State for potential VP candidate, Perjury Trader Green took a trip herself. Boyfriend Brian Glenn posted photos to his Instagram stories of the trip. One photo showed a woman at the fair photobombing Mar Mar Perjury Trader Green with the middle finger. Nah, <laughs> Nah, what a burn. Fucking cunt. She's the, she's the bomber. It's clearly her on the surveillance camera. You must have seen it. The picture of her on surveillance carrying a bag. That's, she's the suspect. Why wasn't she investigated? Go right now, find, you know, Google, Google, uh, Google that. Person, the same, same build, same stance, same shoes, same, um, uh, way of holding things in her head. Uh, wearing a hoodie. Hold on camera, entering the Capitol. And uh, that is the suspect for the person who planted pipe bombs at Congress. Why wasn't she fucking ever investigated for that? Maybe I should tweet about that, too. First, I'm going to change my Facebook thing so I can do it. I mean, I don't want to post anything but cute stuff on Reiki Southwest Gardens Nursery and Hatchery. So... Got me some cute-ass birds. Anybody in the continental USA want a gorgeous, adorable mini chicken? Having a great deal right now. They're uh, 100s. For, uh, I'm going to be posting, doing a little spotlight every day. Like whichever one kind of ambles into my room. They must be ready for a, a new loving owner. I can't, unfortunately, I can't love on them all myself. But, but, I am willing to part with them for a very good price, especially getting started. I have a small little crop of mini chickens. They're a cross between several species for their smallness of size and for their beautiful colors and tameness make perfect pets very easy to take care of um, just need a little water and they're they're so small even with the crop it's just like a speck of dust 
pick it up with the rest of the, you know, you know, if you if you want them, you know, if you put them, uh, yeah, let them roam around. I let them roam around a little bit every day, at least once in the house. But you know, like a, you know, try to keep the turds to a minimum. So yeah, they they get to uh, they get to walk around, and but they. Um, and they, right now, they're back in their, uh, most of them are back in the cage, uh, the cages. They have breakfast, and then a brunch snack. Um, they get, uh, very, very, very sweet, loving friends. Beautiful to look at. Cute, adorable fucking crawl on a rooster. If you have positive, if you grew up around chickens or whatever, it's very, uh, it's very wonderful to be woken up. That's why, that's why I have a abuelita, a bandmate, and his mom, uh, she's a hundred, she's gonna be a hundred and one pretty soon. It's awesome. And, um, part of it is being around in a pleasant environment, chickens, Carlos Yang Yang. Who's that? Oops, I forgot to mention that. Um, rides, 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 rides. Dark modes. What is dark mode? Okay, so I have most friends on Trista Dijen of on Facebook. And so let's go back to these awesome news. Okay. Cult behavior 101 Trump threatening judges is part of coordinated cult behavior. Nine minutes ago. Racketeering. It's all part of the racketeering effect. Try national debt relief as seen on the Wall Street Journal podcast. No ads, man. I'm Ben Micellis Thanks from the Midas Touch Network, and I am joined by Steve Hassan, author of The Cult of Trump. Steve Hassan, PhD, is an expert programming. That's what he studied in connection with his PhD. He goes around, gives lectures on cult deprogramming. He himself cool. uh, has a history inextricably linked to cult deprogramming. He was in a cult many, many, many years ago, got out of it, and based on that journey, became a PhD, and now teaches people about cult behavior, how to get out of cults, and how to identify cult behavior, among other things. So I want to have a continuing series here on the Midas Touch Network, on our YouTube channel, where we identify, we talk about the cult behavior taking place in MAGA, within the Republican Party, which frankly looks a lot more like a cult today than a functional political party. And the first topic I really want to discuss, Steve, is these threats that Donald Trump is making in connection with all of these cases. We see this witness intimidation over and over again. We see Donald Trump spreading these messages on his uh, social media. 
and the messages, as they did in January 6th, are reaching the intended audience, a radicalized group of people who I believe in hope. recognize this. And we're seeing, for example, you know, just the other day, um, someone was arrested for threatening the life of Judge Chutkin, the federal judge in Washington, D.C. A month ago, we reported how somebody showed up with weapons in front of Barack Obama's home in Washington, D.C. These stories are happening with a great degree of frequency um, in Utah, somebody was, you know, the, the FBI um, uh, had, had to intervene. The person was shot and killed them for threatening the lives of FBI officials. So what's going on here? And should we be viewing this, Dr. Hassan, through the prism of cult behavior? Yes. Uh, very briefly. So then basically I was recruited into the Mooney's cult. In 1974, Patty Hearst was abducted by the Symbionese Liberation Army, I might add, I don't and became radicalized to become a right-wing fascist who believed that democracy was satanic, that we had to infiltrate the government. I actually was sent to fast for three days for Richard Nixon, who I hated before <laughs> the Mooney's cult indoctrination. <laughs> And there I am saying, God wants Nixon to be president despite Watergate. <laughs> and now we're literally oh 50 years later, the same right-wing, extremist, religious, Christian-esque people uh, have infiltrated politics and are using their followers. So to answer your question briefly, I think I have an influence continuum. In fact, my podcast is that name, and it's on the Midas Touch Network. Thank you so much, uh, my Silas brothers. Um, and so if you think about inf influence on a continuum, there's ethical influence and healthy groups, and all the way over to the destructive end of authoritarianism. And I define this authoritarian mind control, cultism, as controlling people's behavior, information, thoughts, and emotions to create a new identity that's dependent and obedient on the leadership and the ideology. So speaking as a mental health professional, I'm a licensed mental health counselor, what we have is a dissociative disorder. And like I went from Steve Hassan, the nice middle-class Jewish boy, to a right-wing fascist who thought the Holocaust was justified, when I had my near fatal van crash and was deprogrammed and understand that we were doing Chinese communist brainwashing techniques were used on me and I was doing it on other people. That changed my entire direction of my life. And so using that as a prism, when I was asked to write the cult of Trump, I knew Trump was a malignant narcissist, which is the stereotypical profile of all destructive cult leaders. But what I didn't know until I got into researching the book was that the cult of Trump was comprised by authoritarian cults who were telling their followers largely that God is using Donald Trump and that Biden and the Democrats are all satanic and even trafficking babies and children, etc. So that's a short answer to your question, but I'm happy to keep going. The cult behavior, in many ways, is 
also used, I think, to distract from the fact that on policy, people are doing things against their own interest a lot of the times in the MAGA Republican side. If you put a lot of issues before the American people as a yes or no referendum, what do we feel about responsible gun ownership. We think there should be responsible gun ownership. I think overwhelmingly people say yes. You talk about climate change. Should we be reflective of making sure that uh, we address climate change in a responsible way? Overwhelmingly yes. Do we think women should have the right to control their bodies or do we want the government to make these arbitrary and destructive and dangerous decisions uh, for them? I think overwhelmingly people say yes, women should be able to control their own bodies jobs. Should we improve people's working conditions or should we make people have more terrible working conditions so that billionaires can have a third or fourth or a fifth private jet? What do you think? People say, yes, we want to have better working conditions. So the cult prism, the influence continuum, right, Dr. Hassan, is to influence people to go against their own interests in furtherance of the cult leader and the cult ideology. So you're not even thinking, wow, this actually is harming me. Right. So again, I there was Steve Hassan from Flushing, Queens, grew up 1.3 miles from Donald Trump, by the way, in my childhood. Uh, and then this cult identity took over. So he believed the Holocaust was necessary because the Jews didn't, you know, uh, accept Jesus. But Steve was educated as a Jew about the Holocaust. And, and, uh, but there was a disconnect. Why? Because my cult, think, Ben, think about malware infecting your computer and taking over your operating system. That's what we're dealing with. Mind hacks. Where information that's critical against the leader, the doctrine, or the policy is rejected, thought-stopping is used, so that, and loaded language is used, fake news, you know, or the, the Dems are satanic, so that a, somebody in this mindset can't go back in time and go, actually, what are my values and what do I want? Would I actually enter into a business relationship with a pathological liar for my business? No. But they're not connecting the dots because their mind was hacked. And I'll add that fear, or what I call indoctrinated phobias, are a major technique that's installed in these people's minds so that it subverts our critical thinking faculties. We're reactive. So people don't like everything about Trump, but they're fearful of Satan invading the planet and taking over. Therefore, it's, it's, it's this devil fear that is subverting their critical faculties and their ability to make good judgments. So now, on a future edition, I really want to get into, uh, talk about it in another video, the links between cult behavior, cults, including the one that you got out of, the Moonies, and actual Republican politics. People don't know this, but, I mean, some people know this, but not a lot of people know that. For example, the Moonies is, uh, has ownership over 
perhaps the most influential Republican newspaper, one of them, the Washington Times, and there are direct links there. We'll do a whole other video where we cover that, but I want to get to the final point here before we have to go, which is the threats, though, and how these threats by Trump directed at the judges, the prosecutors, whoever the person is of the day, how does that reinforce cult behavior when a cult leader directs it at a common enemy? Does that reinforce the within the influence continuum? Unfortunately, the yes. And as we saw in January 6th and what we're hearing now is this, we need to be violent for God. We need to take our country back from the evil people. And so he's, the rhetoric is there of violence, very typical. Like I ended the cult of Trump book saying, if Trump doesn't win the 2020 election, let's assume there'll be violence. And then I quoted Jim Jones. People forget Congressman Leo Ryan went to Guyana to rescue people who wanted to leave the compound. And what did Jim Jones do? He assassinated the congressman and had all of his, his uh, people take cyanide lace flavor aid with threat of gunfire, and he took everyone with them. So my biggest fear is my former cult has two training compounds for AR-15s and a gun cult in Texas and uh, in Waco, Texas and in Tennessee. And my fear is that this radicalization is bringing us back to the brown shirts of Hitler. And we need to really understand that all of those millions of AR-15s that are everywhere have been stockpiled for civil war by our enemies. Russia wants us to not be a United States. They want to split us as the Soviet Union fell apart and split. And, and Putin is trying to put it all back together again. Well, this series is going to be focused on how we combat mind control, how people who may have family members who are in this MAGA cult, how you speak to them, how you talk to them. We'll, we'll do even on future episodes kind of a role-playing to show right, how you have these conversations and um, I think these are important conversations to have. I think we're framing these issues appropriately. I look forward to doing more of this with you. Dr. Hassan, as he mentioned, he's got the podcast, The Influence Continuum, right here on the Midas Touch Network. He's the author of The Cult of Trump. We're going to be spending a lot more time together in the coming weeks and months in this continuing series. So thank you so much for your time. And everybody, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, and make sure you check out MidasTouch.com for all the latest breaking news. Have a great day. And thanks for all your good work. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at MidasTouch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now, please.
Okay. Watch morning show highlights. fucking committed or uh, yeah committed uh, and or convicted nah I've been my zealot with each one of these indictments you saw that in this poll also historical the big board with the legacy what do you got yeah, this is an exciting new adventure for NBC. We've partnered with the Des Moines Register. The Des Moines Register does its polling with Ann Salzer. This is the absolute 
gold standard poll of the first in the nation caucus state. So we've seen all of these numbers about national polling in this Republican race. But as you say, it all starts in Iowa. And the theory of every candidate who's trying to beat Donald Trump is that they can win Iowa, get traction in Iowa, and take that slingshot to the next wave of primaries and nominations. So the Iowa polling, we have been missing all summer high-quality Iowa polling. Well, right now, we've got the gold standards will unveil to you. This, again, from Anselm's, are part of our partnership, a new one with the Des Moines Register. These are the numbers here. This is the bottom line in terms of asking likely caucus goers who they would support right now. Trump is well ahead, more than 2 to 1, 42%. Ron DeSantis, the only challenger in double digits. He's at 19%. Tim Scott, just under 10%. You see Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, Chris Christie, Go all the way down to Will Hurt at 1%. So Trump with that sizable lead here in Iowa. Looking inside the numbers a little bit, evangelical voters in particular. In 2016, remember, Donald Trump did not win evangelical voters in the Iowa caucuses in 2016. He didn't win the Iowa caucuses, in fact, in 2016. Ted Cruz did. But among evangelicals now in this poll, Trump is at 47%. Nearly 50% of evangelicals backing Donald Trump. Two-thirds, roughly, of all Iowa caucus goers in 2016 identified as evangelicals. This is a huge voting block in the Iowa caucuses. There's Trump at 47%. And by the way, there's Mike Pence, who has built his political career in large part on ties to evangelical Christians. He's at 6% with evangelicals. And his unfavorable rating, 51% with evangelical voters in Iowa. That's Pence, who obviously has taken his share of heat from Donald Trump over his actions on January 6th. Asking Iowa Republicans here, has Trump committed serious crimes? Only 26% believe so. 65%, nearly two-thirds say he's not committed serious crimes. Very interesting tidbit. This poll was conducted sort of between the news coming out of Georgia last week of the latest Trump indictment. The portion of the poll that was conducted before that news broke, had Donald Trump leading in Iowa over Ron DeSantis by 18 points. The portion of the poll that was conducted after the news of the latest indictment broke had Donald Trump's lead swelling to 25 points. So again, you do see that rally around Trump effect that seems to take hold with each one of these indictments. You saw that in this poll. Also, historically here, Trump leading by 23 points. The Des Moines Register poll is one that has a rich history going all the way back to the 1980s. These are Republicans at this point. These are Republican races at this point in the cycle. Who's had a lead comparable to Donald Trump's 23 points? Well, George W. Bush, back in the 2000 cycle, he led by 27 at this point. He ended up winning by 11. Bob Dole, they called him the president of Iowa for a while. In 96, he was up 46 points at this point. He won in 96, but only by three points in the caucuses. So there's an example where a big lead shrank dramatically. Uh, And then you do have some examples here of candidates who led at this point and ended up losing. Their leads weren't as big as Trump is right now. But if somebody is going to make a move and catch Trump in Iowa, who might that be? One way of looking at it is this. Ask about the favorable, unfavorable ratings of these different candidates. And I think a couple things are notable. DeSantis may be 23 points behind Trump, but DeSantis actually has the best margin here on favorable, unfavorable. 66% of Republicans 
in Iowa have a favorable view of DeSantis 29 unfavorable. Trump's numbers very strong. It's stronger than it was for Trump in 16, but DeSantis is a touch higher. Tim Scott, extremely popular too. Nikki Haley, popular as well. Notably, Chris Christie, who's going the hardest after Donald Trump, extremely negative. Mike Pence, 42-53 negative. So right now, if you're looking at somebody who might be able to make a run at Trump in Iowa, maybe, you know, it's most likely a DeSantis, it could be Scott, maybe a Nikki Haley. When we ask voters, in fact, to their second choices, it's spread out. DeSantis gets the highest second choice total, but Tim Scott's right there with 15% as well. Vivek Ramaswamy, by the way, at 12%. So the, the problem for DeSantis, not only is he 23 points behind, he's very well liked still by Republicans in Iowa, but right now it's not as if he is the default second choice of all of those voters in Iowa. And one other interesting number I think we can show you here, we just asked voters in Iowa, what's most important to you going with a candidate who's closest to your views or electability, a candidate who can beat Biden? And you see about two-thirds said closest to their views on the issues. Interesting split here. The one saying closest to their views on the issues, Trump with a massive lead there of 30 points. Those looking at electability, Trump leads, but DeSantis is within 10, Scott's in double digits. So the more the Iowa Republican uh, voters focus on that question uh, of electability, that's where Trump starts to uh, get into a closer contest here with his opponent. So, yes, overall, a very big lead for Donald Trump in Iowa, one that historically has portended uh, uh, good things for candidates in that position. But you do see rivals here in Iowa, notably DeSantis, notably Scott, to some degree Haley, who are still very well known and very well liked by Republicans. And we have more than half Republicans in this poll saying their minds not made up yet. That is fascinating. Of course, you look at that 96 drop by Bob Dole. I mean, wow, that was a precipitous drop. Also, Mitt Romney coming back um, from behind, a good bit from behind. Um, so, uh, Steve Kenny K has, has a question for you. But, Kenny, I just have to say, look at those numbers. He gets indicted uh, with 19 co conspirators and his weak of charges. Uh, he's on tape uh, lying about, uh, you know, trying to, to rig the election. And you've got the Republican leaders of Georgia, the Republican leaders of Georgia, not left-wingers, the Republican leaders of Georgia telling voters he's a liar, uh, saying, no, the election wasn't rigged. They win in the Republican primary there in a landslide. But what happens in this poll? Again, facts don't matter. Again, we don't know what the definition, exact definition of the cult is. And that's for people other than us to determine whether this is, in fact, a cult. But my gosh, certainly... Uh, certainly it is bizarre that facts just don't matter, that actually his numbers go up after he's indicted in a multi-count criminal indictment to steal an election. Um, yeah, it's a feature of kind of populism, and it has been for the last decade or so, but has grown more so, that we are in an era of purist politics, uh, not pragmatic politics. And I thought it was so interesting, that question about, do you want somebody who shares your views? Is that more important to you? Or... Are you going to vote pragmatically and try and vote for somebody who actually could be elected and beat Joe Biden? And a two-thirds majority say, no, what matters to me is the purism of, of Donald Trump's, what, he, what he's offering, the kind of the, the populism. And I think, you know, that's, 
That's where the Iowa voters are at the moment. I, oh, yeah. I love the history, uh, Steve. Are we going to be 96 and see a kind of Bob Dole style lead? Yeah, it's fucking weird. Or is this going to be more like 2000 and see George W. Bush maintaining his lead better? I mean, that's super interesting. And I don't know, does the polling throw in all of those Democrats who might be sitting home on Iowa caucus night thinking, actually, you know what, I'm kind of bored. I miss the civic tradition of going to the caucuses. I'm going to go along and muddy the waters and vote for some Republican that I like. I, have we seen any indication of whether that might happen and how many Democrats might turn out and vote, vote in the Republican caucuses? Well, we, the one thing that we did look at, and I don't have the graph to show you here, but independents, we did ask about independents potentially uh, deciding to participate in the uh, in the caucuses, and that's actually where both Trump and DeSantis did the worst. It's just a very small share of the overall pie there. But yeah, when you start broadening it out to independents, um, that, again, it gets to the the, 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 you find it more likely for voters to say they have concerns about Trump and electability, Trump and committing crimes, those those sorts of things. So, and again, it's interesting, too, you saw that briefly in the polling coming out of the November midterm. It seems like ancient August history 21st. now, but there was all sorts of polling, some national, some state level in December of last year, January, February this year, where Trump's lead, it, again, national, state level, was not that massive. It's actually grown since February or March of this year, really since those indictments began. Remember, the first indictment came in New York City in Manhattan. That was the first of this wave. And if you had a trend line here, I could show you, but Trump's lead has just grown since that first indictment. So it was almost like there was a rally around Trump effect that was kind of kicked mm -hmm. in there. And, and yet, just wait until he's convicted. I remember that 96 one, it was actually Pat Buchanan who well, came in qualified. second place there, just three points mm -hmm. behind Bob Dole. Uh, and then Buchanan went on and won New Hampshire a week later. Again, that's the theory of any of these candidates running against Trump. It's that Iowa's the kind of state where retail politics still works, where you could spend months doing events with 50, 100, 200 people. You can build support that way, and if you can win Iowa, you can roll it into the subsequent states. I think the question here, again, is you look at how well-liked DeSantis is, how well-liked Scott is, to some degree how well-liked Haley is. Can one of them consolidate support? in the next few months, and that might get to what's at stake in this debate coming up this week. Can one of them consolidate support, move up within striking distance of Trump in Iowa, and really try to make it effectively a two-person race there? Because if that's the case, you can start to see in these numbers a scenario where it could get interesting. Now, we're following new polling that shows Donald Trump's hold over the Republican base is as strong as ever. In the latest CBS News YouGov survey, the former president has 62% of support from likely GOP primate voters, 46% clear of his closest challenger. And among those likely Trump voters, the poll shows they trust the former president even more than their own loved ones. Let's put a framer on that. They trust the former president more than they trust their own loved ones. 71% say they feel what Trump tells them is the truth. Ahead of friends and family at 63%. Conservative media figures at 56%. Uh, and sad. a religious leader at 42%. No, you... Oh, you... Oh, my God. This can't be 
Timo's been having a lot of stuff. I saw this lady with a cute dress on. And um, she said she got it from Timo. It's kind of like a Southwestern. Yeah, it won't let me leave this fucking ad. Oh, jeez. What the hell? What the hell happened? Ugh. Trump to turn himself into Georgia authorities. Here's how DA finally Willis can give Trump a speedy trial. Um, I have to give somebody some breakfast, so I made some uh, Mexican foods with uh, avocado and lettuce and... Uh, Lime squeezed on top. Bye.